I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new 2021 edition of Game Misconduct. Nearly 10 months ago, we had to sign off because of the pandemic. We ended up missing an entire Stanley Cup championship. My apologies, but we just did not have the personnel. But things are slowly but surely beginning to open up. We've got a brand new season. And I thought to myself, what better way to start the new era of Game Misconduct than to go to our old friend, the great, with no exaggeration, E.J. Raddick, how are you, sir? Are you healthy? Are you well? Oh, hey. I'm well. I'm well. I'm very excited to be back with you. Um, Just finished the World Junior Championships uh, we had on the NHL Network. Did a lot of pre and post around that in between periods. It was a lot of fun. A great tournament. Team USA with a, uh, I would say, surprising gold medal win, uh, being that Canada was playing so well sure. in the tournament. But, uh, you know, it was terrific. And uh, you now we're off uh, on the eve, so to speak, of uh, of a 56-game sprint in kind of a crazy new world that has an original six feel to it. Sure. With uh, yeah. teams playing only within their division. I mean, people ask, how was the, what was the original six like? I mean, it was kind of like what you're going to see, where teams played each other all the time. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it should be very fun, and we'll see how we how it plays out, and you know, and then we'll get off to the playoffs, and uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be bumpy. I'm sure there's yeah. going to be, you know, we've seen it in all the sports, Don. There's going to be issues along the way, I'm sure, but uh, let's hope for the best. Oh, we've seen it already with Dallas and Florida having to reschedule games. I mean, I think yep. that's the world we live in. We got a sneak peek during uh, Major League Baseball and the NFL. These games are going to be moved. Games are going to be postponed. And and I guess there's always the possibility, EJ, of maybe having to go to a a percentage type of situation where you might get like what happened to the St. Louis Cardinals in baseball where they just couldn't play the allotted games. We might get to a situation where there might be a team that played three or four less games because they couldn't make them up. We hope that doesn't happen, but you got to be open to everything, right? Because what we've seen with this pandemic is you got to be able to change on the fly. That's correct. That's yeah. absolutely true, and uh, the league's going to do what they can, and we'll see where we end up. Now, the other aspect of talk about throwback. You know, you got the original six of playing within your own division, but you also have the top four teams in said division advancing, which is also yeah. old school. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's uh, and, and everybody's going to come out of that division. And, you know, the other thing for fans, Donnie, that they don't maybe realize is that when they get to the final four, they're just going to reseed them. So uh, the good news about that is that the two very best teams during the regular season that points-wise that end up in that final four – will get a chance to play one another in the cup final if they advance through the semifinal. So uh, you don't see that every day. I mean, the last time we saw something like that was probably going all the way back to the Islanders' first Stanley Cup in 1980 when the Flyers and Islanders ended up in the cup final against one another. That was a year that they did a 1-16 through format, which, I mean, that's kind of the ideal format for me. But, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, 
all the sports leagues don't play that kind of way. They break up into conferences, divisions for a number of reasons. But uh, this year you have the possibility of the very best two teams outside of each division, obviously. You know, if, if two teams are in the same division, they'll end up playing, you know, in the second round probably. But uh, after that, you have an opportunity of a, of a different kind of Stanley Cup final, which would be interesting. Yeah, and and what I love from our sensibility here in the East is is the way they put together to have the Rangers play Boston eight times. I mean, that's going to be great. I mean, it's not it's not great for Ranger fans to have that on their schedule. You know, obviously the yeah. divisions are all not equal. Uh, they didn't put these together based on uh, how good they are. They were put together on how close in proximity they were geographically. So that's going to be a burden for some teams to now have to deal with a, a good team like Boston or, or something like that. But, you know, it, it still makes for great rivalries. Islanders, Rangers right out of the box playing back-to-back games, g- getting a chance to play eight times during the course of a 56-game schedule is going to make it fun. But in prognosticating all this, EJ, it's difficult because I think the East has more than four playoff teams, don't you? Yeah. Yes, I do. But unfortunately, <laughs> they will only have four playoff right. teams. So, you know, it's uh you know, it will be uh you know, somebody's going to be out. That's about yeah. all I can say. I mean, and and it could be like a very good team and a team that has had a lot of success over many years. I mean, I've been talking about Pittsburgh as one that I'm you know they make a they've made a lot of changes. I mean Pittsburgh and Washington are in the same boat. They're trying to yeah. you know keep that window open as long as possible with great players to be successful. So they make moves. They've they've changed coaches over the years. They've brought in different players. I mean Washington has Peter Laviolette in his first year, and Peter has historically been good in his first season. So uh, in, in whatever place he's been, so uh, you know somebody's going to be out, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see who it's going to be. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And I guess that's what could be very frustrating because there is the possibility, and there's nothing you can do to avoid this, that the fifth-place team in the East may have more points than, say, even the third-place team in the other division. So, I mean, remember all those old old days where, like, Toronto would make the playoffs in the Norris division with, like, 66 points, and sometimes you'd see a team in the 90s miss because they were in a a, a tougher division. I think that's going to be tough for a lot of people to take because Washington and Pittsburgh, you know, full disclosure, when I take a look at that East and you figure, I, I, I think the Boston, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Flyers, those are my four playoff teams. I've got Washington and Pittsburgh out. And yeah. it's tough to yeah. do that because I respect both of those teams, but I, I, I don't think they're better than the other four. And we could debate that, but the one thing we can't debate is who's ever five and six can't make it in. <laughs> so that, that's, that's right. going to be what's going right. to be fun. They are out. They are out. Yeah. <laughs> There's no debate. They will not be in. I mean, like in the West, for example, Colorado, St. Louis, and uh, Vegas are clearly the cream of the crop in that right. division. Like, that's the only one for me where I was like, all right, who's going to, you know, really had to give it some thought. And, like, 
you know, I guess Minnesota has a shot at fourth. Uh, San Jose, if they can get kind of their act together, I think they they had a lot of rest, got a lot of guys healthy. There's a lot of reason for that team to try to be better this year, although they start off with a weird circumstance. They can't be at home, and then they also they have the news now of Evander Kane going through some kind of potential bankruptcy and not certain right. if he's going to play. So, you know, these are things you don't need um, as you move forward into this where you're looking to get off to a good start to build a little cushion for yourself. So, but you know, you're right. I could easily see a scenario where the fifth or even sixth team in that uh, Eastern division ends up with more points than the fourth team in the, in the West. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, you know, these are things you're going to have to live with. Uh, you know, I know when the return to play last year, they cut off at 24 teams and, you know, people would, were had different opinions about, you know, why had those other eight teams or why did this team get in? And, you know, listen, at the end of the day, we are in a worldwide pandemic. We are lucky to be playing. So, you know, the league has done its best to, uh, to try to come up with a scenario that uh, we can play. And I think fans should, you know, there, there might be disappointment for yeah. some teams at the end of this rainbow, but, uh, you know, the fact that we're, we're going to attempt to do it, uh, should bring some really joy, should bring a lot of joy to hockey fans who, you know, let's face it, this world we live in right now, Donnie, for a lot of reasons, is kind of screwed up. So mm. to be able to sit and watch a hockey game for a couple hours if you're a hockey fan is uh, should be a real treat. Yeah, and then tomorrow it all starts. We'll have a game at 5.30. It's not going to be quite the way it was in the bubble where we had games it felt like all day long, but you're going to see – I mean, I'm seeing a lot of uh, odd start times, afternoon start times, and, and it, we're just going to have a chock full of hockey, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. And, and in a 56-game schedule, we, unfortunately, EJ, we've went through this before with the 48-game schedules with the lockouts in 95 and 13 where we have kind of know the groundwork of how important every game is going to be and one bad week could be absolutely killer especially in the divisions that are going to be uh so difficult like the east you know you have a bad four or five games you might not be able to recover from that yeah it'll it'll definitely hamper you and i think a good start is really essential if if you want to get there i mean if you can get a good start and and be able to build on that that's ideal right and so um I think all the teams will be looking for that, but there are going to be a lot of things out of people's control. I mean, obviously injuries are always out of your control and, and, you know, the COVID circumstances with, uh, you know, you get a, you get an outbreak within your team at a wrong time. Uh, that's problematic. I mean, goaltenders, they have to have three goalies within each group. You know, we've seen teams go through goalies, Don, every year. It seems like somebody gets bit by that bug. I can remember a couple of years back, Vegas, Remember Vegas went through several goalies. Oh my there, God! Yeah, like four uh, or five, in one of six. Their first maybe. two seasons. I mean, it was crazy. What I can remember that happening. Who? What are some of the teams that you've got an eye on, both good and bad? You know, there's been a lot of changeover, as you said. Washington, new coach. Pittsburgh's had a lot of changes now. Um, is there one or two teams? We'll start with the good, where you look at and say, "I'm really expecting big things from that." Oh, well, Colorado is the team that I really like the yeah. most. I mean, I just think they're loaded at every position. And, you know, and the only thing is, and it's a big question mark, is that, you know, is Phil Grubauer going to stay healthy and is he going to be good enough to get them to the playoffs? I mean, last year he got hurt twice. He got hurt at the end of the season. Well, before we stopped, he got hurt in that outdoor game they played at the Air Force Academy, the Avalanche and LA Kings, and that was somewhere in the middle or late February. 
And then when we shut down in March, obviously it didn't, didn't matter. And then we came back and played in uh, the return to play, and uh, he ended up getting hurt again. And, uh, in fact, uh, Francois, the backup, he also got hurt. So mm-hmm. uh, that is a position that I thought they – I thought that Joe Sackett would try to upgrade because they're so close right now. I think their team to winning. So uh, – but they're going to move forward. And they've got a big window. I mean, this is a team – you know, Kale McCarr was just a rookie of the year. He's a big-time player. Bowen Byram, I saw him for Team Canada at the World Juniors. I mean, he's he's a tremendous talent. I mean, I think they're going to have those two guys on the back end for the next 10, 12, 15 years is, is really uh, it's amazing to think about. Not to mention you have Nathan McKinnon, who, for my money, is the best yeah. player in the league right now as we speak. Uh, Rantanen, Landeskog, uh, Kadri as a second center. I mean, they're... They're really slotted really well. So I, I like their team a lot. I have high expectations for them. But they're in a tough division with St. Louis and uh, and with Vegas. Um, you know, I'll be curious on a local standpoint to see where the Rangers are at. I mean, with so many really good young players, uh, you know, like Lafreniere, we'll see where he's going to, you know, he's making his NHL debut, how things look for him. Uh, Caco in year two, what strides he's made moving forward. Can Panarin and Zibanejad... Uh, have the kind of years they had last year when, uh, you know, they were arguably uh, top 10 players in the league. I mean, Panarin was a part trophy finalist and could have easily won that trophy based on his yeah. the way he impacted the Rangers. And Zibanejad just was like was shot out of a cannon over the second half of the season. He had injuries early in the year that caused him to miss a couple weeks. And yet, I mean, he had over 40 goals and was, uh, I think he led the league at goals per game last year. So, you know, and obviously Shesterkin and goal, Lundqvist, you know, out of the picture. Um, you know, how the how's that going to look over the course of a, a 56-game sprint of a season? So I think there's just a lot of interesting stories with the Rangers. I don't think they're going to be in that Final Four because I think a lot of guys that had – like, I never think guys – it's hard to have great seasons like that back-to-back. You know, it's hard for Panarin to better what he did last year. You know, it's hard for Zibanejad to be, you know, to be the goals a game leader in the National Hockey League, you know, again. You know, I just think, you know, that's the rare thing that happens. So if you have a little regression there, some of those players like an Anthony D'Angelo had over 50 points, I think, last year. He was one of the few defensemen. There was five or six that had that many points last year. Can he be that productive again? Um you know, these younger players, again, you know, some of them may move forward. Capo Caco may be better this year. But I just think this is kind of a still a team that needs another year to, mm-hmm. to really find its way. I could be wrong. They could blow everybody's doors off. They've got a lot of talent. But uh, I'll be really curious well, to watch them because I think certainly the Rangers have a team and with the, all the young players they have. And then they have more guys coming in their system. I mean, this could be a team that uh, – is at the very top of the National Hockey League for, you know, yeah. battling with the Colorados. And, you know, some of those teams in the West have a lot of, have a big player pool of really good young players, Anaheim and L.A. But the Rangers certainly could be one of these teams that are on a, that could be on a long run of success with the young yeah. players they have. I, I'm with you. And, and the interesting thing is, even if you were to say Zabanajad and Panarin could duplicate, what they did yeah. last year. Remember, it yeah. wasn't enough. Even that season wasn't enough. <laughs> they weren't right. going to the that's playoffs. Right. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. But but it, my prognostication comes into, all right, well, 
who is going to step up? Somebody needs to. You know, so will Kreider yeah. find that consistency? Uh, Strom yeah. was very good for them, but can he find the consistency? Will Kako make that jump from year one to year two? Because he went through a lot in his rookie yeah. year. Um, if he's right. better. And Lafaniere, if he can have a great first year, um, I think you're going to get quite frankly, better goaltending over the long term because I think Shosturkin is is a legit goaltender. So I'm a little more bullish on them just because I think there are guys that are ready to emerge. But your point is well taken. You saw it in the Colorado brief series in the qualifying round last year. You shut the two big guns down. They couldn't find another goal. They couldn't find a line to be able to produce. And you know what happens. You end up putting those guys together out of desperation, which to me almost makes it easier to defend them because now everybody else gets exposed more because they're getting more ice time, and it becomes a vicious cycle. So they're going to need, no matter what, those guys to step up, and I think there's enough guys that can do it. Uh, The Islanders are interesting to me, too, because I don't think last year was any kind of fluke. Uh, So are they going to sustain, or are they ready to take that next step to dance with the big-time teams? Well, I mean, let's face it. They went to the the Eastern Conference Finals six games against the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. So, I mean, they're... They've been there already. I mean, they're close. I mean, they're six games away from winning, six wins away from winning the Stanley Cup where they were. So um, I favor the Islanders coming into this just because I always favor structure and uh, good goaltending and good defense. And uh, the Islanders have all those things. And think about, you know, Donnie, we've been talking about hockey for 20 years, probably going back to our days with the NHL live radio show and, 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 and seeing all these different you know, teams kind of the cycle of how teams play. And for me to be standing here talking about, I favor the Islanders because of the structure and the the, the culture. And right. Like, I mean, that was something that was foreign to that franchise for like 25 years. See, you make the right and, hire, uh, right? Yeah. You make the, they, you make uh, the right they, hire and everything. This is See, to me, the Islanders situation kind of exposes, we talk about ownership, right? We Or we talk about great yeah. ownership. Well, if you if you hire the right guy, then your ownership and everything looks better. And they hired Lou, and and Lou is that's yeah. that, that's what you do. You hire Lou, you hire Barry Trotz. All of a sudden, your organization that's a threat away from playing in Kansas City all of a sudden becomes yeah. a team that's on the verge of winning a Stanley Cup. It's crazy, right? Yeah, you know, you know. Listen, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, I would say that. You know, the previous regime with Garth Snow and that group, I mean, they, they acquired a lot of good players. I mean, right. through drafts. And they did, you know, now they had a lot of misses as well and made some mistakes. But they, you know, they really, the, the, the core of this team is a lot of guys that were drafted by, by Garth Snow and his group when you look at it. Um, so you've got to give them some credit for that, for that end of it. Uh, the franchise was fortunate. Lamarillo became available. Uh, the timing was right. I mean, uh, a, a year earlier, two years earlier, maybe, you know, they still have committed to Garth Snow. But the timing was right, and uh, so they bring in Lou. And then what happens for Lou? Barry Trotz wins the Stanley Cup, and he becomes available. And the Islanders are able to grab oh. Barry Trotz. So, you know, it just the, the things worked out, and now they have a new building coming down the road that's going to be a terrific facility for them. They already have a great practice facility. I mean, now they become a destination for free agents, you know, if and when we get back, hopefully, you know, God willing, we get back to a normal life at some point and we have uh, you know, those revenue streams are continue to grow and we have a higher cap number and you have the possibility for adding players. I mean, they're kind of a destination now for, for players. So, uh, you know, they've done a lot of things right. I like, uh, you know, Pelican and Pulik on defense. 
are two of the really good young defensemen in this league. Uh, you know, they they got Noah Dobson on the way up. Uh, you know, they still got it. They got Scott Mayfield, who's a guy that is at his price tag is just a bargain in this league. And uh, you know, they've done a nice job there. They have Varlamov in goal. Sorokin is the kind of the you know kind of a, their answer to Shesterkin. So we'll see. Yeah. You know how things look for him. Both of those guys were talked about for for so long en route to getting to the National Hockey League. So uh, Barzell's resigned. Uh, they have a kind of offense by committee, and they have a terrific coach, and they they really have good structure in their game. So when you think about a fifty-six game schedule and and kind of uh, you know a lot of kind of uncertainty, I always at least to start you got to like yeah. structure. You got to like good defense. So I think the Islanders are going to be uh, you know they're going to be there every night. You know what they're going to do. Well, part of the beauty of this podcast, and, and listen, we're shot out of a cannon today. I mean, we haven't done this in in ten <laughs> months. You know, we can't get to everything, and we're gonna we're gonna come back on Thursday yeah. and recap Wednesday and kind of preview the games yeah. coming up on Thursday. Um, and we're gonna try to do this every single day. But I think what makes this work, EJ, is when we incorporate the fans and get to talk about their teams. Because what the best yeah. way to shut somebody up? You don't talk about my team. Well, tweet at me, ask me a question yeah. about your team, and then, then, then that's mm-hmm. all it takes. We're on board here. So let's get to the tweet. You ready? All right. All right. Michael wants to know, do you see Matt Murray bouncing back in Ottawa? Um, well, Matt Murray, when he's been healthy, has been pretty good. I mean, he's won two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and, you know, I, I thought that uh, he had some struggles last year, but I thought he found his game in the second half, and he seemed to be their guy, and then we ended up in the – in the stoppage, right? And then we come back from the return to play, and the Penguins didn't lose in the first round of Montreal because their goaltending was bad. They lost because they didn't score. And so, you know, Murray ends up going to Ottawa. That's, he's on a, you know, a longer-term contract there. They have a number of really good young players, and uh, they're going to probably be fun to watch. They'll probably have nights when they don't defend very well. And Matt Murray will be called upon to to be the answer there. I think the problem will be is he's going to be playing behind a team again that's going to be it's going to be a little helter skelter because a young defenseman. So um, it's going to be a challenge. I think Matt Murray's biggest challenge is just to stay healthy. Yeah, because he's a lean guy. He's a little like Tuka Rask, and he's he's long and he's he's lean, and uh, you know he gets dinged up and he gets worn down. So I think Ottawa is going to have to manage his game games this year, particularly because they're going to be in like a high-volume chance games where, you know, he's going to have to work. So uh, DJ Smith, the coach there, is going to have to monitor that. But I think Matt is, when he's healthy, he's been a pretty good goalie. Tommy asks a very interesting question. Do you think we won't see any trades between the North and other divisions due to the mandatory quarantine for crossing the border? Well, that's a really interesting question, right? I mean, that is something that you have to take into account. That said, I think, uh, you know, depending upon what time of the season it is, I think teams are going to, you know, if there's a player they want and they're in a position like, you know, it depends where you are, right? If you're in, if you have a cushion and you're setting yourself up for the postseason, you can acquire a player and you have the ability to let them sit and watch for those days or quarantine. If you're right up against it and you need to win every game down the stretch, you're probably less likely to make a move like that. So I think it's a really good question, and it's something that teams will have to consider when uh, they're looking at making moves. But I do think the teams that are at the top that are setting themselves up for the postseason, I think they're in a position to still yeah. do that. 
So obviously, if you're if you're making a trade to make the playoffs, the answer is no. You're not going to do that if it's to solidify yeah. the playoffs and for the postseason. Then I guess certainly yeah. it would be worth it. Um, Dick says last season you correctly predicted Dallas to go to the finals, which I did. Uh, how will they do? Uh, congratulations. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that was such a weird year, right? Because it was like two seasons. And Dallas was weird last year because I think everybody kind of liked Dallas at the start of the year because they were so, – remember, they lost in double overtime to the Blues who went on to win the Stanley Cup. Right. They could have easily been the team to uh, to be in that circumstance in the previous year. Uh, they started off the season horrendously. Uh, then they got going. Then their coach out of nowhere gets fired for personal issues. Um, they play in the in the Cotton Bowl at Winter Classic for you know in front of uh, eighty thousand, seventy five or eighty thousand fans, which was unbelievable. I was there for that, and they had a, and it was kind of Dallas Stars hockey. They got behind and then they kind of grinded it out and rallied to win. Uh, then near the the point where we were going to the stoppage, they really were struggling again. Right. And then you get into the return to play, and their starting goalie is just out of the picture with injury and their number two, Anton Hudobin takes them on this magical run where they, you know, beat Colorado and Vegas en route to a, a cup final appearance. And basically they just, even though, you know, give Tampa full marks for winning because they were a twisted team, the Dallas Stars just had, just were, they were just beaten down by injuries. They lost a number of players uh, and had guys playing with injury and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the Tampa Bay Lightning were just too yeah. much for them. But, you know, moving forward, Bishop is still hurt. There was some kind of visa issue with Hudobin. They've got uh, they've got a COVID issue, but they've had to reschedule. Uh, you know, Corey Perry has left. Some of the, you know, they, they had a couple of shuffles to the roster. All that said, they still have a pretty good group. Yeah. I think it's going to be harder for them this year. Just because a couple of their the high end players are just maybe it's another year older, they're going to have to have younger players come in and play. Well, all that said, I love Haskin, uh, and he's one of my favorite players in the league. Such a great defenseman, and so uh, you know they got good they got good players there, and they should be in the mix. I just don't know if they're, if they're going to be able to get all the way to the end again. Uh, I don't even want to take credit for my prediction of them going to the finals because one of the reasons I had them go to the final was I thought you know they had Ben Bishop and he had been there and done that and Ben Bishop had nothing to do. <laughs> nothing to do they, with it. Nothing to do with it. But I but I yeah. guess you know thank you for remembering. That hey, I had that. take credit, take credit, Donnie, because you know listen, they still got there. That's all. That, that's all that matters. This, this is a tough one for me because um, I've gotten a lot of um, pushback from Devil fans on this. Uh, Shining Wizards Kevin says, with Corey Crawford retiring, how much bigger of a role does that put on the Devils and Mackenzie Blackwood during a short and condensed season? Does it make a big difference for the Devils overall? And, and the, what I, the postscript to that, I guess I wanted to say from that tweet, EJ, is I, I've, I don't know everything that went into Corey's decision to retire, but he did not leave the Devils in the greatest of spots, right? You're you're talking yeah. about depth at goaltending, and they're really relying on someone who had won a Stanley Cup and had played well to really solidify that position, and he retired, and, and not knowing the situations, I'm not going to kill him for making that life decision, but it did not put the Devils in yeah. a great spot. No, it didn't, and uh, it's unfortunate, and uh, Corey has gone through a lot in his career from injuries to personal issues. And uh, he's been a great goalie in this league. And, uh, you know, probably I don't think he probably gets enough credit. You know, goalies that play behind teams that are great teams, like the Blackhawks teams were that won three Stanley Cups. He was part of two of them. 
uh, don't probably get as much credit as they should. But, uh, you know, it is unfortunate. I hope that, you know, Corey, uh, you know, moving forward is is able to, uh, you know, kind of live his life with his family and, um, you know, kind of deal with the issues that he's had because he's had some things away from the rings that have really been problematic for him. But you're right, puts him in a bad spot. Puts a little more, a lot more pressure on Mackenzie Blackwood. They got Wedgwood there. They picked up Eric Comrie on waivers, yeah. and Eric Comrie is a goalie that was in the Winnipeg Jets system. And uh, you know, I know talking to our friend Steve Valaket, he always liked him as a younger goalie, and he found himself in Winnipeg originally, kind of behind, you know, behind some big dogs there. Right, Hellebuck was there, and you know, they've had some other uh, Lauren Brissois played very well as a backup couple of years ago, maybe he's a kid that could come in and with a new lease on life, get some opportunity with the devils as well. But it's certainly uh, not optimum to have such inexperience in goal when you are in a rebuilding circumstance in a very tough uh, division where, you know, you're going to be playing, you know, some real tough teams night after night after night after night. But I look at the devils as this is a team that to me, they've just got to worry about, the rebuild, the night to night, the shift to shift, uh, to get just to continue to try to get better and, and see where they are at the end of the season. Because the future, I still think, is bright. They've got a lot of good players in their system. Uh, I'll be curious to see how Jack Hughes does this year. He's had, I think, he's someone that will really probably will have benefited from all this time off to train and to, to continue to to get bigger and stronger. So. Um, you know, I look at the Devils. They're in a rebuild. They've got good players in their system. They've got good players, some good young players in their group. I think they'll be competitive, but I don't think, uh, you know, I don't see them certainly as a team that's going to challenge for the playoffs, but that's not where they're at. they got to worry about the, you know, just continuing to get better and, and hoping those young players uh, continue to move forward. Always a pleasure. It was so good to hear your voice again, although we did speak uh, during the pandemic, but uh, yes, just to be did. able to do this was great. We have to be, let's have honesty with the with listeners here, you know. All right, so let's try honest. to get back into the flow like every Monday like we used to do, yeah. and if anything kind of breaks and yeah. happens, but I, I, I just couldn't in good conscience do the first game of uh, conduct in 10 uh, minutes without you. Well, thank you, Don. I'm here for you anytime, and it's good for the people who are for the fans listening, good to be back, and uh, hey, enjoy it. It's going to be kind of a crazy competitive year, and for the locals are in the New York area, they all have really interesting stories, I think, Rangers, Islanders, and Devils, that uh, are different stories, but interesting stories, so it should be uh, a fascinating year. All right, buddy, we'll talk to you next week. All right, you got it, Donnie. All right, that is the great EJ Raddick. Always great uh, to talk to him and get things going again here on Game Misconduct. Before I sign off, I just wanted to kind of throw out my predictions here. ESPN always asks me, uh, they send uh, uh, a questionnaire of, of what I like and who's going to win and all that that's going to be eventually published on ESPN.com, but I figured I'd give you a little bit of a sneak peek here for the people that listen to Game Misconduct. I've got my top four teams in the Easter Division being Boston, the Islanders, the Rangers, and Philly, so I've got Washington and Pittsburgh on the outside. In the Central, I've got... Um, in the Central Division, I have uh, Tampa, Carolina, Dallas, and Columbus. So that's going to be interesting, some of the teams that are going to miss there. I've got Nashville on the outside, Florida on the outside. Uh, In the North Division, that is obviously the Canadian Division. I've got Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Calgary. And in the West, I've got Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, and Arizona getting in. And I've got the Avalanche 
winning the Stanley Cup. I got Nathan McKinnon winning the Hart. I got Connor McDavid winning the Ross. I've got Alexander Ovechkin winning the Rocket Richard for the most goals. I got John Carlson winning the Norris. I've got Ilya Samsonov winning the Vesna is a bit of a surprise. I just couldn't, in good conscience, for a third consecutive year, make a Veselevsky. I've got Ilya Sorokin as the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year, and I've got David Quinn, the Rangers head coach, winning the Jack Adams Trophy, and I do have a vote for that. I do have the Rangers making the playoffs, but I understand all the concerns that EJ has because I think this is going to be a team that's going to be good for a long, long time. But I do think there's going to be that sense of urgency to make this happen this year. And I think the big X factor is going to be a full dose of Igor Shosturkin between the pipes. And let's not forget, he didn't get that opportunity in the qualifying round against uh, uh, the Hurricanes. Um, I think that he will be the big factor. Uh, the, the the feeling is that he could be the Andrew Luck to... Um, to um to Manning that he could be the young to Montana that you had a great Hall of Fame goaltender for nearly two decades and be able to hand it off to another goaltender that might be able to do the same and I think that's where the Rangers are kind of set up at so we got the season beginning tomorrow with a slew of games including a 5:30 tilt so that's going to have a throwback to the bubble when we're going to get a chance to see some games in the afternoon but a 5:30 game between the Flyers and the Penguins. 7 o'clock, we got the Canadians and the Leafs. We'll get a heavy dose of that with them playing eight times during the course of the year. 8 o'clock, the Blackhawks and the Lightning. At 10 o'clock, Canucks and Oilers. And at 10.30, the Blues and the Avalanche. So that's going to be fun. And then a bunch of games on Thursday, including uh, the two New York teams with the Rangers and the Islanders playing. Devils will be home for the Boston Bruins. So here's the lay of the land for the rest of the week. We're going to take off tomorrow just because i got to take my mom to the doctor, full disclosure. Uh, but then Thursday we'll come back. We'll recap all the games from Wednesday, preview the games for Thursday, and get back to normal here. And I want to make a little bit of an introduction here at the end of the podcast. Uh, RJ Santillo, who did a tremendous job producing and directing and editing this podcast, has moved on to greener pastures. So Anthony Pusick, who is every bit the hockey fan that RJ was, he's a big Ranger fan, he is taking over things here. And that's that allowed us to continue and bring back game misconduct because as things are getting back to normal and Anthony has volunteered to help out so Anthony Pusick is now the guy so a little less Buffalo Sabre talk here on the game misconduct podcast but he will be the person booking the guests he'll be the person running the board he'll be the person editing this so welcome aboard Anthony Pusick so we will talk to you again on Thursday this oh it's so good to stay is the Tuesday edition of game misconduct This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.